We are in one of the last messages of our series in Exodus. So as, I, as, I'm, uh, as I'm starting to speak, uh, you can turn in your devices to not Exodus, actually, but you can turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 12. That's actually the main chunk of scripture uh, that I'm going to actually read today. So over the last number of weeks, uh, we've We've followed the people of Israel through the book of Exodus as God uh, brought them from slavery out of Egypt, uh, and miraculously they crossed the Red Sea onto dry gr- on dry ground. They began this journey on the other side towards this land that God had promised them as their inheritance. And we've been drawing parallels all the way through uh, on this journey to show how Christ, how Jesus has actually made a way for us out of slavery to sin, and brought us into his family and set us free to actually live a full and abundant life that he's designed for us. And Amber and, and the worship team this morning, I want to thank you uh, for seeking the Lord for the songs that you chose this morning because uh, I, I told Amber, I, I know I've got a particular title for this message that I was given, but it doesn't feel like the right title, but this is kind of the overall idea, and Amber, whatever you heard from the Lord in the songs that you picked, uh, wonderful, because they actually help support what I'm going to be talking about today. It gives us the actual context of God's love for us. So we need to be reminded that as various scholars look at the people of Israel moving out of Exodus, that the estimates are anywhere from a few hundred thousand people that were moving together to just over a million people that were moving together. Some even would want to say it's higher than that, but I'm trying to be on the conservative end. But regardless, they would have been hard to miss. (laughs) They would have been hard to miss. And it was one of the reasons they were so valuable to Pharaoh as his country's slave labor force. But this was also a covenant people, a supernatural people following a supernatural God who had made a promise to Abraham long ago to eventually make his family a blessing to the entire world. Now imagine for a moment the exodus out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, and they're on the other side starting this journey. Now if people saw you driving in your car down the street following a delivery-sized cloud, of, or in the nighttime, a delivery-sized truck-sized fireball, and you were just driving around town following after it, what would people think? Right? They might think they needed to call the fire department. I don't know. Maybe you had a crash, and that's the reason why there's a fire and a cloud of smoke and things like that. But what would your neighbors think if they saw you on your front lawn every morning with your kids, picking up slices of bread off the lawn and putting them into a Rubbermaid container? Right? What would they think if in the evening all of a sudden chicken found their way to your lawn? Nobody else's, but just yours. And, and you were able to go grab a chicken and do the thing and go have a barbecue in the backyard. Right? That, that's what was happening with Israel. They had bread every morning, manna on the ground. They had quail that came in the evening. Now imagine what our other provinces and cities, or the folks in Grand Forks and Fargo, just to the south of us, would think if the entire population of Winnipeg was experiencing this every single day. Wow! 
I mean, at the very least, the world would take notice as social media began to just report around the globe on this phenomenon that's happening amongst this Winnipegites. You know, Winnipegers, the Winnipegonians, or whatever you want to call us. People would ask, why is this happening? The people of Israel, they would have told their neighbors that Yahweh, the great I Am, the Lord of heaven and earth, He is our God. And He led us out of slavery. And this is how He is choosing to provide for us, for our daily needs as we follow after Him and as we worship Him as His chosen people. Uh, The book of Exodus is silent on this next thought. It's my own. But I wondered, how how many people saw or heard this news and they saw what was happening and they actually wanted to become part of Israel and they wanted to go on the journey too? I would have been asking that. I would have been asking, how do I become chosen? (laughs) How do I get in on this? Obviously, God is greater than and more powerful than any of the other gods I've been following. How can I follow this God too? I mean, regardless of that thought, eventually there was an even more miraculous way for us to become part of God's family. From Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, through Israel's judges, Saul becoming king of Israel, and David then taking his place, the shoot that rose out of Jesse's tree. Jesse was David's father. It kept growing. The genealogy of David reaching throughout history and time to a family member named Joseph who took a wife for himself named Mary who would bear a child named Yeshua. And that child who we know today in English as Jesus was announced by angels to shepherds was visited by kings who followed a star and was given by God to humanity as the one who would be our Savior. Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, who would make a way not just for the Jews, the people of Israel, to reconnect with their covenant-keeping God, but for you and I, the Gentiles of today, to actually be grafted into the family tree as Jesus made a way for us through his death and resurrection for our sin to be forgiven. We talked about that this morning as we were singing it out. For us to be set free from the power of slavery, of sin and death itself. So today, when we see visible miracles happen, when I see them happen in my life, and someone says to me, how is this happening Or maybe it's more subtle than that. They say, how can I receive the kind of joy and peace that you seem to live with? I don't have that, but I see you living with it. How can I find that? How can I become a part of what you're experiencing, Aaron? You know, I can honestly share and I can tell them about Jesus Christ, my God, my Lord, my Savior, who actually made my life possible. And if they open their lives up to Jesus and invite him to be their Lord and Savior, they too can experience moving from slavery to freedom. Isn't that amazing? 
it's amazing. It's the most amazing story I think I can ever tell. But today, I want to challenge us with another truth, like we've been walking along. It's this truth. God is patient. God is patient, and he is full of grace and love. We've been singing it this morning. If it, that weren't the fact, if, if, God, if it weren't for the fact that God is patient and full of grace and love for his people... If the opposite was true, and God was quick to anger and judge our actions without any grace or love, after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they disobeyed and they ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. There was only one fruit in the entire garden they weren't supposed to eat, and they ate it. They disobeyed God. If God were not patient and full of grace and love for his creation, his created human beings... Maybe if it was me, I would have destroyed everything. (laughs) Roll everything back up, and we're going to start fresh. Or worse, God could have sovereignly decided never to create again. Have you ever thought? Maybe. I wonder. There's an extremely important part of Exodus and the story of Israel that I need to share with you. It's the other side of this miraculous story of Israel so that we can be reminded of who we are in relation to God and who God is. By the way, you won't see a lot of notes on the PowerPoint this morning. It's just going to be pictures that will help guide us along the way. It's the side of things that, in one sense, nobody really likes to talk about. You know, we like to talk about miracles and happy things, right? Not uncomfortable things. We like it when the story is about other people and not about us. We don't like it when the camera of life zooms in on us and reveals all of our bumps and our lumps and our wobbly bits. Right? But that's part of my task today that I felt. So to help us not feel quite so uncomfortable, let's talk about the Israelites again. I have yet to find an elementary student in Sunday school who, when they learn about God's chosen people's story, and they've wondered, why did they do so many dumb things? A kid can see it. right? We hear people saying, oh, you know, those Israelites, will they ever get it? <laughs> why couldn't they just listen to God and obey what he said, and everything would have turned out all right? But you and I here today, we see that story in hindsight, don't we? We see see it after the fact. We we have the privileged position of, of knowing the whole story. Israel was experiencing things firsthand. And it was a story that was unfolding as their history began as a people. You know, if you're unfamiliar with the, here I'll, for those of you on the, maybe listening on the internet later, I'll put this in air quotes. Um, you know, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the give your head a shake part of the story, let me unpack it just briefly for you. A bit of a history lesson. So God hears the people's cry. Dave talked about that a number of weeks ago. Here's their cry in slavery to the Egyptians. Miraculously calls Moses. Miraculously leads them out of Egypt after ten supernatural plagues. 
via a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Right? They get to the Red Sea. The Egyptians are chasing them. And what happens? They haven't even been out of Egypt for, I don't know, 15 minutes. I don't know what it was. Panic, anger, grumbling and complaining. Grumbling and complaining. You let us out here to die. You hear um, one of Michael Brown, uh, Dr. Michael Brown is a, a good New York Jew. Uh, he's a Christian, Christian fellow. We had a conference uh, back in November with him. He said, you kind of hear the, the New York Jewish accent in here. It's like, why did you bring us out here? You know, <laughs> why? Why are we here? You brought us to this place. We're going to be slaughtered. You know, you hear a little bit of Woody Allen, you know, in the back there somewhere. That's something of, of that in there. But they're grumbling and complaining. God parts the Red Sea and they walk across on dry ground. They move to the next place. Water's running out. What happens? Grumbling and complaining. What are we supposed to drink, Moses? Right? God purifies this huge body of water at Marah for them. Turns it from bitter to sweet so they could drink it. Food is getting scarce in the next chapter in Exodus 15. Grumbling and complaining. At least when we were in Egypt, our bellies were full. You brought us here to die, Moses. What are we supposed to eat, Moses? God sends the manna. He sends the quail. They move to another location. It doesn't have a water source. Grumbling and complaining. We're thirsty. Give us something to drink. You brought us out here to kill us. So that we would all die of thirst, it says in Exodus 17. God brings water from a rock. And not just any rock, and not just a little trickle, a spigot full, but a gusher. This had to feed hundreds of thousands of people. They move to another location. The bottom of Mount Sinai. And God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. The people tell Moses, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. God downloads instructions to Moses about building the tabernacle and how the people are supposed to worship him and have priests and all the things that came along with that that they were supposed to do. Because, and because Moses was gone too long up the mountain, the people began to grumble and to complain again. You know, some people today might think that they were worried that Moses might have died because they saw all this lightning and thunder and stuff. And when you go to meet with God, we don't know what's going to happen. But I think they were actually just bored. I think they were tired of waiting for Moses. And they got Aaron, not me, they got Aaron to make a golden calf out of gold that they collected and they <coughs> melted down. And they worshipped it. What's the very first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. They tripped over the starting line. Moses actually had to intercede. God was going to wipe them out. Moses had to intercede and say, God, please don't destroy your people. 
He reminded God of his covenant that he had made. And the people, they were spared. Are you starting to see a pattern emerging here? The same grumbling and complaining when Joshua takes over from Moses. The same grumbling and complaining happens when Joshua and Israel begin to be led by judges. But we begin to see something else emerge. And the people finally enter into the promised land in the book of Joshua and Judges. And they finally begin taking over the land that God has given to them. But God told them not to mix with the other nations. But they did anyway. And they started merging their religion with other religions. Other religions with their own faith until we see a common pattern that they did not keep the commandments of God. And everyone did what seemed right in their own eyes. This was an ongoing cycle. You'll see a little chart that comes up there. The people would get themselves into a mess. They would cry out to God. They would repent. And they would run back to following him. God would miraculously deliver them. And things would go well for a while. And then the people would turn away from God again. And do things their own way again. And this would rightly anger God. And the people would find themselves again taken over by another more oppressive nation than it was before. Than the last one. And the people would then, they would cry out and God would set up a judge over them. And this cycle would repeat itself over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament. Those silly Israelites, we say. When will they ever learn? Why couldn't they just obey God? Do what he said, and they would have prospered and lived in blessing. I think that's enough history to get the point. Personally, I think you and I can be just like the Israelites. But here's one last thing, another part of this story. The people of Israel said to their last judge, Samuel, the prophet, Samuel, we want our own king. We want our own king like all the other nations have around us. In essence, we want someone who is going to lead us into battle, who is going to lead us against our enemies and keep us safe and secure. And by doing this, they were actually rejecting the Lord as their God and king, and asking for a human being to take his place. If I were God, (laughs) boom, done. But God told Samuel, give them what they want. And Saul was made the first king of Israel. By the way, I think one of the scariest things that God can say to anyone is, okay, fine, have it your way. That would put the fear of God in me. It means God has graciously bowed out and respected our choice to actually turn from him and to go our own way. His hand lifts off of our life and he leaves us to do life on our own. Because that always turns out well, doesn't it? 
Friend, if that's you, turn back to God today. Don't stay there. You do not want to reap the consequences of a life disconnected from God. Turn back. I want you to hear the heart of God that we've been singing about this morning. I want to read, it's a a long passage of scripture, and I'm only actually going to put up on the screen the last three verses. So I'll read a chunk of the story first, but if you want to follow along with me, it's that 1 Samuel chapter 12, starting in verse 12. I want to read what Samuel the prophet spoke to the people after Saul was being made king. He warned them again about the foolishness of what it was that they were doing. But he also tempered it with this. This is Samuel speaking. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was king. And now behold, the king whom you've chosen, that was Saul standing with him, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both of you, meaning Israel and the king, who reigns over you, will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now therefore, stand and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is not wheat harvest today? That's an important day. People are ready to bring in the harvest. Samuel says, I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. And you shall know that and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. We're going to die, is what people were thinking. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord, for your, your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil. We've piled it on top of everything we've already done. And Samuel said to the people, This is what I want you to hear. Do not be afraid. The way that you could read this sentence is, Do not be afraid that you've done all this evil. But that's not the sentence. The sentence is, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. When I read that afresh, I was blown away. I think this is absolutely amazing. This is the very heart of God again and again and again and again throughout Scripture. 
God said, you have sinned against me, but you're my people. I love you, and you don't deserve mercy. You don't deserve any. But I'm a gracious God who gives to my people even when none of you is deserving. I'm a patient God who wants my people to have every opportunity to come back and to follow me. You might reject me, but I love you. And I am the God who will never give up on you. I will never relent. Follow me. Serve me with all your heart. Turn to me and find peace, blessing, and rest for your restless souls. That's the heart of God. Patient. Full of love and grace. God said this even though he knew at this moment in time that his people would continue sinning against him for hundreds more years. He he does the same for you and me. That's why he sent his son Jesus. Jesus bore the punishment for our sin that we alone deserve. Jesus took it on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to die or be utterly destroyed for our actions before a holy and righteous God. We have been extended grace after grace after grace. Here's the tough part that we must come to terms with. And I know many of you here already have. There's one singular word in the English language that encapsulates the actions of human beings who turn away from God. It describes our grumbling and our complaining, just like the Israelites, our ingratitude, our arrogance, our pride, our self-centeredness, and a whole list of other things. And it's wrapped up in one single, singular word. Rebellion. Rebellion. Whether for the Israelites or for us today, rebellion is a willful act of opposing authority. Period. This could be a child rebelling against their parent. It could be a student against their teacher, an employee against their boss, a citizen against their government. Uh, church members against their leaders. In some of those situations, it might be very legitimate for uh, pushing against an authority, but that's only because imperfect people have found their way into those positions of authority. But when it comes to our rebellion against God, who is perfect, can I tell you, we will always be the loser? We will always be the loser if we rebel against God. We might feel really good about ourselves, but we will always be the loser. No matter how offended, right, justified we feel in going our own way and refusing to bow our hearts before our heavenly king, we will always be the loser. The Bible tells us that God created the world and everything in it. And that it all exists to the praise of his glory. The Bible tells us 
that since the fall of creation, when sin entered the world, that God has been graciously working to bring creation back into relationship with him. The Bible also tells us that the ultimate solution for our brokenness is found by turning from doing things our own way, sinfully rebelling against him, and inviting Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord. Not only our Lord, our King. Did you notice something here? Maybe you didn't. Even though Israel rebelled against God and wanted their own king, the Lord, through history and his story that he was writing, would eventually make a way for every human being, not just the chosen people of Israel, to invite and to see the Lord restored as the king of their life. Jesus went from the cradle to the cross. And he has a crown. It's King Jesus. I'm not sure what you yourself call that, but I see a patient, kind, merciful, and loving God at work. You and I have the same choice today. Will we choose to go God's way or our own way? To reject him is to willfully turn away from the God who created us, who loves us, who wants a relationship with us. That's our choice. And it's unique amongst all the other choices we will ever make in our life and continue making. Or will we embrace Jesus Christ and yield to his authority? Will we take the knee? Will we give him our sword Whatever that look, that act of saying, you are my king and I will bow down before no other, not even myself. Will we embrace Jesus Christ as the authority and the rule over our whole life? Will we serve him, follow after him, and invite other people to do the same? Because he loves us. Look what he's done for us. None of us is perfect when it comes to following Jesus and getting